Hi, everyone. This is Matt Virgil, head of school at Hudson Montessori School. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Hudson Montessori's. Today, I'm starting a <clears throat> series of podcasts called HMS Unmatched. Uh, in this series, I'll be talking to teachers and administrators about what makes our school an unmatched school for families and children. Um, on today's episode, I talk with Mary Blatnick and Rachel Loomis, two of our children's house teachers, about the kindergarten year. We talk about the academic, social, and emotional growth that we see children make um, during their preschool or children's house years culminating in the kindergarten years. It's one that is uh, definitely not to be missed. Uh, thanks for tuning in to this, um, to this episode and to all of our episodes of Hassan Mata Stories. Enjoy. Thanks. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Hudson Monta Stories. Thanks for joining us. Um, last, uh, last Wednesday night, I had the opportunity to be an audience member for a parent education session about the power of our um, kindergarten program at Hudson Montessori School. It was called the Explosive Kindergarten Year. And um, it was well attended uh, by a lot of parents that were interested in learning about our kindergarten program. Um, uh, but I wanted to um, sit down with Mary Blatnick and Rachel Loomis, two of our children's house teachers, and and have them summarize what they talked about because um, many many parents weren't able to attend. So I thought we would um, not go through every point in detail that they um, um, presented last week, but but kind of give you an overview so that you understand what makes our kindergarten program so unique. So. Um, Mary and Rachel, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having us. Appreciate it. Thank you. Um, so, um, Mary, maybe I can start with you, if that's all right. Um, uh, a lot, a, a lot of what I heard in the early part of the presentation talked about are multi-age classrooms and the benefits that come to children, and specifically that most often our kindergarten students is the third year that they have been in the children's house classroom. So. What is it about that multi-age classroom in the, in the um, third year that's so meaningful to a child? Well, first of all, I have to say that the, my favorite um, characteristic of a Montessori classroom is that multi-age because children get to be every position in the family. They get the opportunity to be the youngest, the middle child, and the oldest child in the family and take on those roles regardless if they're an only child or the oldest or whatever in their in their home family. So having these multi-age children creates a sense of community. It's a community where people are working together and it's not competitive. A six-year-old cannot compete with a three-year-old and vice versa. So it just by its structure, it shows that people work at a different pace, have different skills, um, different needs. And with that, the oldest children, now the kindergarten, it's their third year. They understand the rules of the classroom. They um, know a lot about the materials. So those children, those kindergarten children, get to be leaders. Um, it doesn't matter if if they are the best reader in the classroom, that kindergartner might be able to tie shoes, which is really important in a room with three and four-year-olds. Mm. Or that um, kindergartner might be able to read well and may support 
younger children who are just learning their sounds. We, we know that by um, when somebody has to teach something to another person, you really have to know it well. You have to um, reflect. And the older children, as they're helping the younger children, are reflecting on their own knowledge. Can I ask a, qu- a follow-up question or maybe sure. building off of that? What does that look like? Like, what is your knowledge of a child after three years? Like, if you've worked with them, what does it feel like as a teacher? Well, after three years, I know that child really well. Yeah. I know when um, I can help them take some risks yeah. in their work, go a little bit further, um, something that they thought they could not do. I also know um, their sensitivities. Um, where we might need to back away. I also know, um, I can also build on their strengths, which might be artistic, maybe empathy, maybe really good at preparing food. Mm. And to build that self-esteem with children, not just on their academics, but as that whole child. Mm -hmm. But I also have a relationship, not just with that child, but with their parents and their families. After three years, we understand each other. Mm -hmm. Um, Expectations and trust. Also for a child to have trust, that child is available for learning. Mm -hmm. If a child feels insecure or worried, then that child is not available for learning. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty much it. It, When you have that, it's a relationship. It's not just, here's the teacher um, and I'm going to impart knowledge. I'm working with the parents. I'm working with the children and following their interest, who they are emotionally, who they are socially, Mm -hmm. as well as their academics. So it's not, so there's like a, there's we use the word pedagogical. You started out with like the pedagogical sort of benefits of the multi-age classroom and the kindergarten, but there's also just like practical. You know these children so well, you know their parents so well, you just hit the ground running in the kindergarten year. Absolutely, absolutely. Rachel, you, um, or Mary talked about like the opportunity for a kindergarten to be a leader. And we, I, I wanted to maybe follow up with you a little bit on that. Could you talk about, um, in practical practical terms, sort of what does that look like to be the leader in the uh, uh, kindergarten classroom? So as Mary had said, um, the, this kindergarten child has now had the opportunity to be the youngest, the middle, and is now the oldest, this leader position. Um, and going back to when they were three, they um, were looking up to the kindergartners when they were in the classroom as well. And saying, you know, I really want to do what they were doing. And um, they remember how those kindergartners helped them at a time. So now they are in these big shoes to become the leaders of the the younger students in the classroom. Um, So a lot of what we see from our kindergartners, along with these big academics, are all of those um, softer Mm -hmm. skills of that empathy that Mary had mentioned. They will help the younger students um, tying their shoes or um, help them to learn their sandpaper letters when they're learning their sounds. They have a lot of pride in knowing those things and sharing their ability to help the younger students. Um, Along with kind of 
with the works that they're doing um, are much bigger. Mm -hmm. um, they have all of these skills that they've been working on their, their first and second year that have now come together. Um, they're learning to read, they're learning to write, and they're now putting it together into big projects that they want to research. They want to, um, you know, just go deep into their interests. And um, as an example, uh, a few of the students in my class at the beginning of the year were really into butterflies and the life cycle. Um, I had one kindergarten student who completely on his own, out of his own interest, created a humongous um, life cycle of his own. He drew out the um, all of the stages and he labeled them and he really dove into um, like a monarch butterfly and, and all about its life. Um, that never came from mm -hmm. me. It was purely his interest that guided um, his his work. But you were still building academic skills oh, at absolutely. the same time. But to him, he was just immersed he in his topic. He and... was just joyfully, spontaneously yeah. following what he was interested in. And mm -hmm. tied along with that, we, you know, he was learning his his writing, we were correcting, going back, um, mm -hmm. editing, all of those things as well. That's cool. Um, okay, so so that, like, I, I almost want to take off, like, my head of school hat and say I had a son that went through the extended day program last year, and I'm listening to what you both are saying, and that's resonating with me as I sort of reflect on my son's experience, both the relationship that we have with our son's teacher, the work that I saw him do, the passion that I saw that in his um, work. Um, so now I'm going to put on my back of my head at school hat and say, I often talk to parents and they would say, well, you know, we have state standards in Ohio and, um, and we're concerned or we want to make sure that, you know, just at the end of the day, are they going to be ready? Are they, you know, for first grade or where, wherever that is. So, um, can we talk a little bit about basic academic skills that one should expect from a kindergarten child as they complete K? So, Mary, maybe can you start with math? Is that a fair place? To I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Start with language arts and, sure. and, and talk about that. So the state standards, um, we're quite aware of them. We look at them. We use them as guidelines, but we don't hinder the children. Mm with the state standards. For example, the children need to be able to rhyme with the state standards, Ohio state standards. They're also supposed to be able to identify initial sounds in a word. They are supposed to understand text from left to right, top to bottom. They are supposed to be able to read high frequency words. Mm -hmm. And there's many, many more. We start with very young children, starting them with um, phonological awareness. So they are rhyming, they are doing alliteration, they are clapping syllables. So by time they are in kindergarten, they're they learn their sounds. Many of the children um, are reading pretty advanced books, simple chapter books um, beyond typical kindergarten. Those children are not hindered. Mm -hmm. If you're reading Magic Treehouse, we're not going to ask you to do the first um, hundred sight words because you already know them. That is a waste of that child's time. We can take that child further by teaching them 
the adjective mm -hmm. or what is the function of a verb. Mm -hmm. um, we use the movable alphabet to teach writing along with reading. So the children are start typically with, you know, three letter phonetic words. But if a child is interested in, I had a child once who um, was really excited about Halloween. So we wrote every single candy that he collected, <laughs> took three rugs um, phonetically. So that child, if I would have said, we're going to write about mm -hmm. all the candy for Halloween, he might've wrote one, two, three. But because that child um, initiated this work and I kind of jumped on it to build the skills, we ran out of letters mm -hmm. before he ran out of ideas. Mm -hmm. And so we recognize the state standards, mm -hmm. but we are not limited mm -hmm. by them. And I think that's the unique mm -hmm. piece because children don't develop evenly. Mm -hmm. So some, and they can also support each other. Mm -hmm. So if the one child really knows how to read well, it happened today. Um, I had um, a six-year-old helping a five-year-old with um, non-phonetic sight words mm -hmm. like they and that and was. And she, the six-year-old was saying, you know this one, you can do it. And just how wonderful that camaraderie and how everybody in a non-competitive way is raising everybody up. I just I like how you kind of pulled that back to the whole mm -hmm. child. Like I started the question like, okay, concrete academic skills, but you kind of hold it to it's a community it's um that's why it works yeah. it's not just the materials the yeah, yeah, it's yeah. because we're looking at the child as an not just an academic learner but a social emotional um a member of a community and when you, when you see the whole child wonderful things can happen so rachel i don't want to like beat a dead horse but i do want to like make sure that people understand so we just talked about language arts yeah we see the standards and i agree with mary you see them really implemented with three and four year olds probably those cases oh, absolutely. Yeah. so what about math i mean same the same you know kind of things that mary was hitting with language is that the the math materials don't hinder us um hinder the child um once you know your numbers we're, we're moving on once um for example, just the kindergarten standards for is for kindergarten is, you know, learning to write your numerals zero to 20. Yeah. Once you have that, we're not going to continue saying, you know, you need to sit here and write your number numbers zero to 20 mm -hmm. and, and just keep repeating that. Um, I think one of the, the beauties of the math materials in our classroom is that we give them um, just the, the world of numbers. We often work in the thousands mm -hmm. and experiencing these concrete um, operations and the, the children really run with it. They want to go bigger numbers and they want to, to kind of um, see what they can do. Um, so I was on a tour today, I guess it actually is yesterday, uh, in a children's house classroom. I saw a kindergarten student doing, it was a, um, addition problem it was I, I don't know it was something like 3524 plus 2115 they were writing that down abstractly meaning they were writing the numerals they had something concrete there that was helping them understand the quantities so is that is that atypical for a kindergartner to be working at 
what I thought was pretty sophisticated addition. Absolutely. One of those operations. Absolutely. Um, in just based off of a traditional kindergarten, you would see um, students working with simple numbers two plus three, mm-hmm. you know, four plus five within kind of that the initial ten. You might start seeing them working with their their teens and mm-hmm. um, not many other philosophies that I'm aware of would do you know, work in the thousands like this. And then I saw another child um, who had laid out what we, um, uh, there were chains. They happened to be the seven chains. So Mm -hmm. they, the first chain had um, a little um, piece of uh, plastic that showed the numbers one through seven. So they counted Mm -hmm. it. And then they stopped doing that and they were counting seven, 14, 21, 28, um, 35. And they were going up to, I think it does, it, it ends with seven cubed. Well, they have the, they have the short chains. I'm sorry, no, Rachel, no, if you fine. don't mind. I love the chains. Mm-hmm. Um, the chains are once a child is counting, they can count, right? Mm-hmm. They need a little help with the um, with the transitions, forty nine to fifty, mm-hmm. you know, and then they sixty nine to seventy. That is language, mm-hmm. right? But once they're counting and the language. We're giving them the squares of numbers, which are the short chains, mm-hmm. and we're giving them the cubes of numbers that are the long chains. They have no idea that they're practicing multiples. Yep. And some of these um, activities that children are doing in math, we are not saying, okay, now we're going to do the cube root of right. seven. <laughs> but they're having these experiences. They're having these connections in their brain. It's physical. It's visual, it's auditory, and as the as they are learning math, they have something now to link it to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just think, um, and again, not every some children can just no, lay out the right. seven chain, yeah, but no, not every child. Some children have to count yeah. it. Some children might need a buddy getting yep. back to the social emotional yep. to help them keep their place yep. because they're a little more distractible and it's yep. a pretty complicated material. Yep. Um, but it's all of that together. Mm-hmm. One last point, we were talking about the three-year continuum. There was, I don't know if it was a three or four-year-old that was just watching that occur. <laughs> and so, mm-hmm. you know, that idea that you were saying, you're set, the kindergartner setting the example and that three-year-old was... Uh, was really engaged in just observing what that child was doing. So, and interested and probably pretty, um, had, had a kind of a sense of awe, frankly. Can I, um, just, I just want to give a real example of this. When Rachel and I were preparing for this, um, presentation last week, I was going through old photographs and I showed a photograph, um, one that I found of a kindergartner working with a three-year-old boy. And she was, her, she was tall and she was kind of um, scooching down to help him trace the sandpaper letters. You can see that she was coming down to his level. That child, mm-hmm. that little boy is now in kindergarten. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We had a new student start last week and he took that little boy and changed his whole speech pattern, spoke Mm. more slowly and carefully, put his hand gently on that three-year-old's back and guided him through the classroom. And so it's just the community that we're, and that's that's why it's so explosive because Mm. the child's needs have been met. And now there's 
so many possibilities when we allow them to be who they are we truly love every aspect of the child and allow them to express themselves as they are well um mary and rachel thank you for spending time with me um summarizing that presentation one thing that i would say is if you're listening to this and you are a parent that's interested in kindergarten reach out to your child's teacher if you have questions or you want to discuss this further. They're happy to talk about it. Um, that's probably, they are the experts and they, I mean, you can just get a sense from this conversation, the depth of knowledge that is present amongst our faculty. So they're a great resource. If you, um, you could also reach out to Abby Wexler, our director of teaching and learning. I'm available as well. We're always happy to talk about any of our programs, um, especially kindergarten. So. Thank you for tuning in to this episode and um, uh, stay tuned for our next one. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Hudson Monta Stories. Uh, if you have any feedback about our podcast or ideas of topics that you'd like us to address, uh, you can always drop me an email. My name is Matt Virgil and my email is mvirgil, V-I-R-G-I-L at hudsonmontastory.org. I'd love to hear from you. And of course, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can always be alerted when we release one. Uh, There's uh, three ways you can do that. You can subscribe on Apple iTunes, uh, through Spotify, or on Google Play. If you just search Hudson Montessori's, it should bring it up and you can subscribe. And of course, if you write us a review, we'd certainly appreciate it. Um, That's one way that uh, we can grow the podcast. Thanks again for tuning in, as always, and uh, we'll talk to you next time.